Welcome back to the Business of Sports special guest this week, Jacob Tammy, tight end for the Atlanta Falcons, longtime veteran, many years with the Colts and the Broncos. He's got some interesting thoughts on this locker room talk that's been the focus of the election the last week and his thoughts on sort of the normalization of that kind of behavior. First, a word from Elite Team. These are luxurious NFL and college sports blankets. They're perfect for any man cave. They're made right here in the USA. They're NFL and college blankets that are 44% bigger than your average blanket. They're actually two blankets sewn together into one. You'll be comfortable in any temperature. Machine washable and get softer with each wash. Again, 100% made in the USA. You've never felt a blanket like this. Feel for yourself. Shop EliteTeam.com. Save 10% with promo code TUCKER, CAPS, T-U-C-K-E-R. Get wrapped in your game day ritual. Elite Team, the official blanket of pure fandomonium. Enter promo code TUCKER to save 10%. EliteTeam.com. Contracts. Salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome back to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Great to have you on and really, really uh, appreciate having my next guest, Jacob Tammy, the tight end for the Atlanta Falcons, who had some interesting tweets and interesting responses about the debate the other night and sort of want to get into the whole locker room culture in light of uh, Donald Trump's latest mishaps with his speech that came out from a recording 11 years ago. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's welcome Jacob Tammy to the podcast. Welcome, Jacob. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be on. Yeah, and I guess we'll start with some football talk. You are now in Seattle as you guys won a big game at Denver the other day and now preparing for Seattle. Talk about sort of that time in the schedule where you stay out west and uh, how disruptive or not it is to your system and your planning for the next game. Well, you know, this is the first time in my career that we've uh, that I've done this. Um, you know, uh, staying out during the regular season. Um, you know, I think our schedule uh, sort of um, it lended itself to us doing this. Obviously, uh, with going out to Denver and then uh, Seattle back to back weeks. Uh, I think you know, Coach Quinn's familiarity with this area um, helped for sure, and. Uh, I think it'll be good for us. I think, you know, there's no doubt. I think nowadays, especially for me uh, and, and guys that have been in the league for a little while, to get your body back um, is what, you know, one of your main focuses during the week, pre- preparation for the game and preparation as far as um, getting your body back uh, recovery-wise. And so I think that this is going to help us with that. I mean, the, the plane rides um, back and forth uh, do take a little bit of a, a toll on you and to be able to come out here and and get rest and, and get recovered I think will help us. And so when you looked at the schedule at the start of the year or even in the off season, I'm assuming Coach Quinn and the and the whole team sort of planned this out where weeks five and six you'd be on the road, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well we uh yeah we've known we were gonna do this for a while as far as staying out here. Uh you know, playing at Denver and playing at Seattle back to back weeks. Right. Uh, what a great, what a great challenge. You know, <laughs> not only from uh, logistics and travel perspective, but just from uh, the football teams and the environments. Uh, you know, two, two, in my opinion, two of the best uh, places to play. Uh, you know, in the NFL, two of the toughest environments to play in. So, um, you know, we we like the challenge, though. Yeah, and. You know, again, kudos on what a big win at Denver and 
you guys are among the big topics of the league right now with your success coming out. And I know the answer is going to be this because I know you as a longtime veteran will sort of take this attitude that you just can't get too high, too low. You got to keep an even keel, especially going into a buzzsaw with that, uh, that home field advantage that Seattle has. So I assume you guys are happy with the way it's going so far, but staying even keeled about the process. Yeah. You know, I mean, we learned a lot about our, ourselves last year. Um, we're a different team now. We've, obviously, last year was my first year as a Falcon. Um, right. So for me, um, and, and I think there was a lot of turnover during that off season. Um, right. So you know, I think we we learned a lot about ourselves. Um, I think that we are a little bit more mature team now. I think that we've got a chance. Uh, we we understand have a chance to be, uh, and I think that if we keep working toward that, you know, we'll be happy. Uh, you know, when we get down toward the end, uh, you know, teams that, that really play well and make runs in playoffs and get chances for Super Bowls are the ones that keep growing throughout the season. And I think, uh, you know, we have a chance to do that. Yeah, we continue. Well, I guess the last football question is you talk about you being an experienced veteran since 2008 in the league. And, you know, it's got to be interesting for you watching someone you played with for so long now doing uh, commercials in a bathrobe <laughs> in, Peyton, yeah. in Peyton Manning. Well, Talk about your feeling about sort of post-Peyton uh, NFL and, and even how it's been for you in the past couple of years not being with Peyton after all those years being together. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a neat um, challenge for me, you know, to – when I, when I was a free agent there, um, been a great teammate to me for um, the opportunity to go from Indianapolis to Denver uh, at the same time he did was something that I really cherished and something that I still do. And, and one of the highest honors of my career to be able to play with him for so long in, in two different places. Um, but uh, when I got this opportunity to be a Falcon and uh, to play with a guy like Matt Ryan, um, it was a good opportunity. And it was something that, uh, you know, I, I told people this back when I was here last year. That, uh, you know, when you play with a guy like Peyton for so long uh, and you go somewhere else, it's really hard to feel like you're not falling off a cliff. Um, there are very few places you could go uh, where you wouldn't see, you know, a massive drop-off and just it would just be a different experience um, for you as a, a guy that catches passes and plays offense. And uh, Matt Ryan was one of the few uh, places and, and people that you could go uh, play ball with where you didn't feel like you were falling off a cliff at the quarterback position. So Matt uh, has been awesome and has been, uh, you know, the, the, the cool thing, I've studied to a lot of people, but the cool thing about Matt is that he has those same leadership qualities that, that Peyton has. Mm. He, they're, they're out of the same mold from a preparation and leadership standpoint. And for me, that's uh, lots of quarterbacks can make the throws and that's obviously a big part of it, but you know, you got to have a guy that understands what quarterback means. Right. And uh, Matt Matt does that, so it's been fun. Yeah, you've led a charmed life uh, as a tight end with the quarterbacks you've been with. You <laughs> no doubt, be. very blessed. Speaking of that, I wanted to talk about what's happened in the last week and maybe in the last 15 months with this country uh, in terms of this divisive, polarizing election process. And I guess we'll start here, Jacob. You sort of hear the news on Saturday, and I know you're getting ready to play a big game um, of the tape coming out with Donald Trump using that language he used. And then you get the explanation 
and those three words that I want to get your take on, and as you expressed on Twitter, sort of locker room talk for Donald Trump to sort of throw it into that category. What was your initial reaction to that? And then I know you were expressive on social media. Yeah, well, you know, first of all, uh, I said I follow politics pretty closely. I think it's really important. Um, right. You know, I think it's it's important for our country, obviously, and uh, and I do follow it closely, and I have for some time. Um, but during the season, it's tough because it's not my focus, and uh, you know, I, I don't have the time or energy to really be involved with it. But after our game, uh, when I got on the plane, we we basically got on the airplane right when the debate started, so it was perfect timing to get a chance to watch it right so you know we had a i was watching it there in my seat on the airplane and you know it just struck me that the i, I wished i was just wishing that donald trump could only that he could just apologize mm-hmm. just apologize unequivocally you know because the fact that he said the term locker room talk was not really my main I don't care what type of talk you call it, and I said this on Twitter as well. You can you can refer to it however you want, but as he apologized, he also tried to dismiss it as something that it's just something that all men do. And look, you know, I'm as imperfect as anybody else. I'm not claiming any sort of high ground here as far as being some sort of perfect person but can we not ask a little bit more from our presidential candidates you know i just when he tried to dismiss it as locker room talking he said it a few times right once twice and a third time and i'm thinking you can't apologize and dismiss at the same time you know apologize and minimize at the same time just don't try to normalize this type of talk because I think it's dangerous. I think it's dangerous for, for young men. I think it's dangerous for boys to see a presidential candidate. And look, Republican. Right. Okay. I, I have, uh, to my knowledge, actually never voted for a Democrat in my life. Hillary Clinton. So this doesn't have anything to do with that. Uh, because, in my own personal opinion, Hillary uh, Clinton would be really, really bad for America. But I think it's dangerous to say locker room talk over and over and over because we cannot allow young men and young women in this country to think that it's okay to talk like that. Right. And that's what bothered me the most. Spinning back to football, you were, I believe, with the Broncos a couple of years ago when the locker room investigation happened into the Miami Dolphins. And I would think that some of the excuses given by whoever was investigated in the whole Richie Incognito thing were probably in a similar vein. Locker room talk, that's what happens in the locker room. Do you remember that, and did you get any kind of the same feeling that you have now when all that was going on with with the Dolphins? You know, I don't, I, I, obviously I remember it. I don't remember the specific details of what exactly happened there. Um, you know, I don't know Richie Incognito. Um, I also don't know 
the young man that was involved on the other end of that. Right. Um, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm also sensitive to the idea that, you know, not everything has to be PC all the time. Right. Like, I, I, I understand that. And, and I, I, I have sympathy for that because I don't, I don't think everything has to be uh, politically correct all the time. I just don't see any place for that type of talk um, that was on that tape to be normalized. I, I just don't see how that can be uh, normalized. I, I don't see how the um, sort of, uh, I don't really see how the effort to keep that from being normalized could I don't see how that's questionable. I just don't, I think everyone, I think politics get in the way of what we're seeing. I think that everyone views it through their own lens. The neat thing for me is I really, really, really don't like either candidate. Yeah. So I get to take a lot of things at face value. And I think there's a lot of bad stuff on both sides. Um, and so in that respect, I just kind of called it how I see it. But getting back to about Miami, I really, I really don't know what happened uh, there from uh, as far as the specifics of what happened, but I know that that was another example of, you know, how can we, how can we be better? Um, and I think that the the point that I was attempting to make on Twitter, and I think some of it got taken out of my original tweet was very short. Please yeah. don't say locker room talk. Right. And a lot of news organizations and such ran with that as, the fact that I was saying that it is not locker room talk. Um, there's two different things going on here. Like I said earlier, my main concern was he's referring to it as any sort of talk I thought was, was not good. I thought that it should just be an apology and that and with a period, not a, not a, but, Oh, this is how men speak. That's, that's how it was trying to be dismissed. I thought, uh, the, the fact I had a lot of responses about, you know, I'm, oh, I'm sure your locker room is perfect. Hey, the, look, the locker room is not perfect, and 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 it's not, uh, it's not that I've never heard something repulsive before uh, in the locker room, but it is not normal in there. Right. And to try to normalize it, I think, is is wrong. And it's the fact that, uh, you know, you can debate what the what the word normal means. You know, what the word commonplace means. I mean, but uh it is not normal and it can't be seen as that by our younger generation i think that's really well said and i think that's the key word you've mentioned is is normalization and you don't want that something that people think is okay i even saw you reference your son i have two young sons and uh i felt exactly the same way you don't want to think that's okay that's normal that's the way things happen and I also I also agreed with your sentiment after the debate, which was, I think your tweet said I showered after the game, but I feel like I need another one after watching that. And I guess <laughs> I mean yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the the whole thing is I told someone this today. It's it's all you kind of got to keep a sense of humor at times because it's all it it would all be really funny if it wasn't so tragic, right. you know, I mean, it, it's, it's just funny to me that, that we've ended up here and, and, and at the same time also uh, tragic because I do think to watch that debate just, 
it was not a debate that I would want my, you know, if I had a, my, thankfully my son's five, he doesn't understand really what's going on right. yet. So that's a great thing. But if I had a, an 11 year old son, I just, uh, or daughter, or I just, I wouldn't want him watching that debate. And and you would think that our candidates for the presidency um, of the United States of America uh, at this point, the, just the language and the substance and what we're talking about could be something that you'd want your child to watch. And it's just not that way. Yeah. And and that sort of brings up your final tweet on the subject, which was at the end of the other night when I guess you got a lot of pushback on the locker room comment, which, which I totally understood, but you never know with with Twitter responders, believe me, I've been there. Um, You said, let's be clear. I'm not a supporter of either candidate, which you said on this podcast and that decency, great line, decency is a nonpartisan thing. And that's been lacking in this campaign, and too often it lacks in politics. It just, it, it just shows kind of where we are when we have this polarizing election that continues to be blowbacks against each other uh, and with no end in sight. And here we are a month away, and I don't think there's any end of this. It's just going to get more brutal until it's over, don't you? Uh, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. You know, it, it probably is going to just continue to be a little bit of a downward spiral until we until we finally get to election day. Um, I don't see it working out any other way. I, I, I just, you know, I thought it was uh, a, a minor miracle that uh, they actually each said something positive about one another on that last question of the debate. Um, right. I, I don't need I don't need everyone to. To, to just uh, pretend that they like each other. I, you know, that's not what it's about, you know, uh, open, uh, discussion and, and, and argument, uh, about issues is, is a, it's a great thing. And it's, it's what makes our, our, our country great. Uh, right. the problem is in this scenario, as you said, we just, the level of discourse has descended into something that, you know, it's, it's really not even about policies anymore. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's just about, personal attacks and, uh, you know, and, and that's always been part of the game. I get that, but I just can't believe still at this point, what you think, you know, I, I, reality would have struck me by now, but I just can't believe that these are our two candidates for the presidency. But, um, and, and I know a lot of people actually, you know, feel, feel that way as well as, uh, you know, some of the locker room talk that we have is about politics. And we, and I had some discussion with guys about this the other day. It's just a lot of people are, are frustrated that, that it's gotten to here. But as I said earlier, I think our country is strong enough that, that we're going to end up being okay either way. But, but I just, there's, there's a lot of negatives for me on both sides. Um, you know, Donald Trump is kind of an enigma. He's, he's just a, he's a different type of candidate. And, and I, uh, actually, understand and and have sympathy for the the folks that like Donald Trump because they feel like they've been left behind uh, a little bit uh, by by our government and they feel like Washington DC is um, full of corrupt crony politicians and, and I think that uh, there's a lot of people that believe Hillary Clinton is right out of that mold and I think that's a there's a strong argument for that uh, the the thing for me is I, I think an outsider is great. You know, I love the idea of an outsider. Right. Um, I'm just not sure why we had to go all the way to outer space, <laughs> you know, and get Donald Trump and bring him 
bring him. Well, uh, you know, on that point, Jacob, it just seems to me that for some odd reason, maybe it's not odd. I mean, Donald Trump has tapped into something in this country where, I mean, to me, it always seemed like an interesting curiosity that he was running for president and it would fade. It would fade last summer. Then I thought maybe it would fade last fall. Maybe it would fade in the winter. Maybe it would fade in the spring. And here we are. And he has tapped into something that perhaps these people feel left out, bypassed, lied to, ignored, neglected. Uh, It really is sort of a statement of what's going on in our country. And you would hope that whatever happens that somebody in positions of power realizes how many disaffected there are. It's just that this is an amazing experience to see this, what I thought was a a cute curiosity of this celebrity tycoon running for president be real. And he passed all these quote unquote serious candidates in the process. I guess I'm not sure what that means. I think I know it was, it was kind of, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, as a person just following it, 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 it definitely seemed to me that, you know, Donald Trump would, would, would fade, uh, because, you know, he's a reality TV show star, um, you know, businessman who, who I think loves the spotlight, you know? Um, and that seemed to be the reason he was running for president may still be, uh, hard to tell, but, um, he definitely did tap into something and you know, you can't, you can't, uh, you cannot ignore that. He, he, he tapped into, um, something that, that people really feel and, and want change in our government. Um, so there, you know, there's something there, but, uh, it, it just is, uh, the, 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 only, the disappointing thing to me is the level that, that things have gotten to. And, um, you know, that part just, yeah. I wish, I, I wish and hope for better, you know, for, uh, I think we, um, I think we're capable of better as a country. And, um, I, I just, I want to be clear to my kids right, and to younger generations that, and to my own generation, you know, as far as what, what we stand for and what we don't stand for. And, um, I think we're at a point right now, just at, at going back to, as it relates to, um, that whole comment and look, I think we're at a point now where how we view women, how men view, mm-hmm. how we view ourselves and how we view women, um, is becoming a, a very big topic. And, um, I think it's an important time to possibly try to change some of what is uh, in our culture on that and, and speak out for, for what we stand for on it. And so that was my whole, um, my whole stance with, with what I tweeted and, and what I, what I believe. Uh, I, I don't think women are objects. And, and I, I think that any time that we try to normalize subtly by saying things like locker room talk, and I, I just don't think that that's healthy. Um, I don't think it's healthy, and, and that was what I hoped people uh, would see. Well said, and I'm going to let you go after this last question. I, I think we'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about it. Speaking of tapping into something, maybe the most talked about player in the NFL this year hasn't set foot on the field, really. His name is Colin Kaepernick, and it does seem that he has also tapped into something 
whether it's the same kind of frustration, obviously completely different uh, set of people, same frustration that the Trump supporters have and maybe being neglected or feeling like no one's listening. Uh, your feeling about the protests, the people joining in, uh, the expression that he's had, and whether it's resonating in your locker room as well as others. Yeah, well, uh, I'm a believer everyone's right to express their uh, opinion. I'm a big believer in uh, freedom of speech. Right. I'm a big believer in freedom, period. That's, that's actually why I'm a conservative. I, I believe in limited government, uh, expanded liberty. I believe that freedom works. Mm-hmm. You know, I just have this old fashioned belief that that freedom is a good thing and that, um, you know, limited government is a good thing. But but that's another topic. Um, Colin Kaepernick uh, definitely did tap into something. And, you know, I, I, I tried to pay as close attention as I can to this this entire issue. Um, I have a great deal of respect for the police officers in our country. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know many of them. One of my, my high school, excuse me, college roommate, um, is a state trooper in the state of Kentucky. And, um, I have, it's hard for me to know the hearts of all police officers across the country. I want everyone to do better. I, I think that we all can. I, I think that we need to do, everything that we can as a society to feel safe right. in their communities and safe with the police. And the fact that they, they don't is, is tragic to me. We have this a lot in our locker room. And so I've gotten to hear uh, a lot of uh, my African-American teammates. I, I want to hear what they think, you know, I want to hear um, what, what their opinions are on the whole topic. And I, I shared with the team, with some of them, and with our team that, um, to me, uh, protesting the flag is not for me. It's not. It's not what I'm going to do. Right. I, I, in, under any circumstances, um, the national anthem and the flag are sacred to me. Um, what, my biggest charitable cause that I work with is Homes for Our Troops. It's an organization out of Boston that builds specially adapted homes for wounded vets. And, mm. you know, when, you know, when a soldier comes home who's given their life for our country, you know, their coffin is draped with the flag. Right. And, and that's where the, that's kind of what the, that's, that's where the flag is for me and where the, what the anthem is about, you know, for me. Um, now, what we did um, in our game against the Saints on Monday Night Football, which coincidentally was the same time as the first debate. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> so we ended up linking arms with the Saints um, before right. the game. Um, and, and I actually put a statement on Twitter about that. It was a show of unity, and I think that's what we need. Right. I think that's what we need desperately. It was a show of unity. And uh, – Again, I'm not going to go into the whole thing here, but I would encourage people to go um, find that tweet if they if they want to read it. But um, you know, there was a, a gospel message that I I believe in wholeheartedly that um, I think applies to the situation that Colin Kaepernick has has brought light to. And the main question is, uh, you know, how can I be a better neighbor to the people around me? Mm-hmm. And 
and and that's kind of what the whole situation has got me thinking. Um, you know, how can I be a better neighbor to the people around me? Um, I think that that's kind of a baseline thing that we can all ask ourselves um, as it relates to both of these topics, you know, right. uh, politics, um, how can I be a better, a better neighbor? So that's kind of where I stand on that. Yeah. And I think that's a fitting close here, uh, against the backdrop of the divisive campaign that we spend most of our time talking about and all those words. But again, the takeaway, just so much power in the word you used. We, we do not want to normalize those kind of discussions that, uh, the locker room talk, Really appreciate this, Jacob. You've been very thoughtful, as I knew you would be, about such important topics, even outside of football. Thanks for uh, being with us, and good luck against the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. I appreciate the opportunity, uh, and you know what? I appreciate the, the luck. Uh, we're we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun week out here. Yeah, continued success on what looks like a really special season. Jacob Tammy, thanks again. You've seen her fly, now watch her move to a brand new network. The CW has a new hero when Supergirl lands, October 10th. It's the season two premiere of the show critics call Pure Blissful Fun. This season, the Man of Steel loss will be revealed. Supergirl's Melissa Benoist teams up with Tyler Hoechlin, who's the newest Superman in the DC Universe. This superhuman family reunion has these Kryptonian cousins joining forces in the fight for justice. And if you're wondering if the next president will be a woman, we have your answer. Linda Carter, the original Wonder Woman, guest stars as Supergirl's Commander-in-Chief. An evil corporate empire will rise that bears the name of an age-old nemesis, Luther. Supergirl and Superman come face-to-face with Lex Luthor's next of kin, Lillian and Lena. And as you might expect, the Luther family shares a passion for power that can only be satisfied by a different kind of green kryptonite. Supergirl, all new episodes every Monday, now only on The CW. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.